All right, Joshua 8, verse 1. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to get the gist of it and kind of work our way through it. Um, but let's pray before we, before we jump in. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Joshua and the Israelites that we can glean from them and from their, their lives and their mission. I pray that you would help us to apply it to our life today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, verse 1. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land. So that's interesting, right? Because what just happened? Ahai had defeated them. God had turned his back on them because of the sin, the sin of Achan and his, uh, his family. And, but as soon as, as Achan is revealed, and he, of course, if you'll remember, he confessed his sins and uh, he is punished. As soon as that happens, God's favor returns to them immediately. And, and the land is theirs and Ai is theirs. <clears throat> and that's good news, right? After, a, um, after an incredibly embarrassing, um, shameful sin, public sin, embarrassing sin, a total defeat, a total loss, there's repentance and immediate forgiveness and immediate restoration to usefulness. And um, I think that's worth, uh, worth mentioning, right? And I think that's very important for us individually, Right? Because when you do fall into a bad sin and you get embarrassed, you know, what's the temptation? Hide, to sulk, to despair. And what is the message of the devil in those situations? No one loves you, especially not God. Um, you're, you're too dirty. You're too defiled. You're too shameful. You're too weak um, to be used. And so now you are going to be a second class citizen, a second-class Christian for the rest of your life, um, and, you, and your, your life is going to have less meaning. It's not going to be useful. It's not going to be purposeful. Um, you've, you've sort of like, you've stepped off the path of his will, and now you're in the plan B. You're in the B bracket, the loser's bracket, and the best you're getting is a silver, right? Anybody ever experienced that? <laughs> right? Everyone, of course, experiences that. If you have experienced it and, and, and if you're experiencing that now, which is a crowd this big, it's probable that someone in here is going through that right now. Just You need to understand you, you're not the only one that has had to deal with this. Um, we all could confess things publicly right now that would embarrass the mess out of us, and we would not want to do that, Right? <laughs> If, if, any, if our, the thoughts in our minds were revealed to others, we would all think each other were um, just evil demons, right? Um, so you're a serial killer, right? No. <laughs> I tell you one dream. <laughs> and don't, husbands, your wife does not need to know all your dreams. You keep those in the closet. You keep that door shut. Something, <laughs> something stay in the closet, right? <laughs> 
So, yeah, no, there are going to be things that we do in our life that are just humiliating. I mean, you might have to confess to a pastor. You might have to go through a season of counseling over it. Oh, you know, you might be put, you know, be put in the penalty box for a little while. You know, sometimes there's a statute of limitations on things, you know, uh, especially for offices, you know, like if you're a pastor or something like that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, and that happens and uh, and it can be really shameful and embarrassing. But here they repent and God's like full restoration to usefulness, to meaning, to purpose. The mission is back on. Right. And I think that's uh Really helpful for us. And, and never forget that uh, the devil is not going to help you out with this particular struggle. He's going to remind you and shame you and, uh, and try to convince you that you're on, in the, uh, the loser bracket now and, you're, and you have no meaning. But you have to fight the lies of the devil with what? With the promises of Scripture. That's right. With the truths of Scripture. You've got to feed on that, meditate on that, memorize that. So moving on, moving on with that. Um, oh, I did want to say this, though. If if you if God treats us that way, how much more should we treat that way to others? You know, sometimes uh, someone can fall into a sin in a church. You know, we're a community, right? Um, we don't have the luxury of being um, anonymous audience members that gather for a performance on Sunday mornings for 45 minutes. And then we go back to our real friends and our real community. Like, we know each other's crap. Like, we know each other's business. And, like, sometimes people sin in the church, and everybody sees it and notices it. Right? And that's because we are a community. We're a community. We're not an aggregation of audience members that don't know each other's people. Oh, these people are perfect. Yeah, you think that because you don't know any of them, right? You just don't know them. And they don't tell their pastors anything. They don't tell each other anything. And they, the people that really know them are their coworkers at the corporation. That's their covenant community, their corporation. Or, uh, you know, the, the club or the, the uh, soccer travel team or whatever. That's their community. Um, <clears throat> so just remember, when someone in the church sins... Um, and then they confess, then what, what does God do? God forgives them and restores them, and he doesn't punish them and, and, uh, and put them in the penalty box forever, right? So we can't, can't do that either, right? We, we, can't, we can't all of a sudden, now you have to sit in the back row. You know, or in our church, the front row would be the punishment. <laughs> Apparently everyone loves the back row, but... Uh, <clears throat> You have to sit in the front row, row now so we can keep an eye on you. And, you know, and, and, and a lot of times you won't know how to deal with someone like that. You won't know, like, it'll be awkward. And so you'll stop inviting them places. You'll stop hanging out with them, stop talking to them. And then they just kind of walk around the church like a ghost. And it's, everyone's awkward with them, and they're kind of rejected. And then what do they do? What's going to happen? They're going to go to another church where they can get a fresh start, you know, and, and, until it happens again, Right? Um, so, and, and so we have to, we have to restore people like that. We have to work really hard to bring back unity, to collaborate with them again. You know, we gotta, we gotta be able to say, Hey, no, we're still going to take AI and you're going to be a part of that. Like, you know, we had our mess up, we got embarrassed, but we, we repented, we confessed. Now we're moving on. Makes sense. I think that's good. And, and I think another, um, thing to apply this is when the people, when people in your church sin, 
um, that is not a justification for leaving the church. Like, I can't tell you how many times people have broken covenant in our church. Um, they break covenant, and they leave the church, and their reasons, their covenantal lawsuit list, and they make lists, trust me. I've had so many lists. I've literally had yellow legal pad lists of, of covenant lawsuits against the church and against me when people are breaking covenant. Like, that's, that's what you, when you're an elder, you get to deal with people's lists, right? But the list always on the top is sin. They're, these people are sinning. They're sinning. Now, they're using, they're using criticism as a tool of deconstruction. Do y'all know what that means? Y'all know what uh, critical theory is or criticism? <clears throat> like, in Marxist theology, uh, you use criticism to deconstruct a community or a culture. You constantly criticize, 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 criticize. And... Um, and that's one of their techniques. That's one of their, their deconstruction techniques. It just comes natural to humans, though, to use criticism as a deconstruction technique. But in biblical language, though, it's a covenant lawsuit. I am going to break covenant, but really you've broken covenant, and so now I can separate. You see what I'm saying? It, it's like a, the, a case being made before the judge in a divorce trial. Here's why. And sometimes they will say, there's sin. These people sinned, or there's this sin you know, I saw this sin, or these people did this sin. I was like, and? It's a church of humans. Do you, you want to go to a church where, no, where people don't sin like that? <clears throat> yeah, if that's true, which very often it's not true, but if that is true, and? You understand what I'm saying? So God f- forgives, God restores, God works with people to help them, Right? But we get to ditch? No. Uh-uh. No, they're the, ones, they're the ones doing the worst sin. They're the worst sin. That's the worst sin. So just because people sin in your church does not mean that it's a bad church. You understand what I'm saying? And you're not going to find a church where that doesn't happen. You're gonna, you're gonna, you can find a, an, anonymous agri- an anonymous group of people that are audience members for a few minutes on Sunday. You'll have the perfect one then, but you won't have a community. You won't have a community. <clears throat> so that was, uh, that, was, that was a little extra. That actually wasn't in my notes, but it popped into my head while I was, uh, while I was uh, saying it. Holy the Holy Spirit, that's right. Um, hopefully, I hope so. 